Welcome to Jesus in Therapy. We're your hosts, Kev and Jess. This is a space where we infuse the Word of God with mental health matters. So sit back, enjoy the conversations, and feel free to follow us in our Facebook group, Jesus in Therapy. Listen, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to stay updated as new episodes are released. Enjoy. everyone welcome again to another episode of jesus and therapy i am your co-host jessica bullock and i am thrilled and honored to present to you dr irene bernard she is going to be talking to us about grief and loss and i thought it was only befitting that she came at this time to speak about this topic simply because if you're listening today we are approaching a holiday season which may be difficult for some this may be a year of first for you or maybe you're experiencing the memories of loved ones and it sometimes can be a little hard uh but dr irene is gifted in helping people to navigate through difficult times and i am just blessed to be in a position to have a conversation with her and learn how she approaches helping others in this time. She is a licensed clinician, ordained minister, mother, and survivor, and she was called to ministry over 30 years ago. Today, she has three businesses, three degrees, several certifications, and she tells us that she's learned to embrace who she is and how to serve others. And if I'm to be honest, we are all in a position where we want to serve others and just want to find our place and move forward in our giftings. So she is very sure about her uh, purpose and says that therapy is her ministry. And her therapy practice was birthed in the, mid- in the middle of a pandemic. And so her passionate, caring, and eclectic approach to therapy is helping to establish a solid following as she continues to fulfill her purpose. And I'm just honored to present to all of you Dr. Irene Bernard. I also want to encourage you to visit her website, spiritbuildersinc.com. She, uh, the information is in the show notes. And I'm pretty sure if you need to connect with her, uh, you can connect with her on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook. But I'm pretty sure that she will get right back to you because her heart is to serve. So without further ado, here is Dr. Irene Bernard interesting that you were called to the mental health piece of ministry. And a lot of times we try to find our niche in ministry, but the fact Mm -hmm. that you found it in counseling, that is so amazing. Maybe one day you can tell us that story. Uh, But tonight we're going to talk about grief. There's been a lot of grief, a lot of sadness over the past two years, more prominently with everything that has been happening. So Mm -hmm. I want us to talk a little bit about grief and, um, just how to handle it tonight. So if you if you were to define grief for the audience, how would you define it? Well, I would define grief as it's like a, a bowel of emotions. Grief and anger are those emotions that I say that are never just about the emotion. They're a combination of emotions. So I like to use this uh, illustration that you find on the internet, this bowel of yarn. And that, that really describes grief to me is sadness, is sorrow, is pain, physical and mental, uh, but then sometimes it's relief, and then it's guilt for feeling the relief. So it's it's all of that, and because it comes 
at us uh, at one time and the most of us aren't really accustomed to just allowing ourselves to experience our emotion, it becomes overwhelming because it's so many different emotions. We can't define them. They're all coming in at once. Uh, and then it's anger. You know, that anger is that go-to emotion that makes you feel empowered. So if we don't want to feel sad and, and, and vulnerable, then anger make you feel like, you know, you really empowered, even though, you know, you're angry and your system is still on overload, just like with the sadness and, and the, uh, the other emotions. So you know, grief is all of that. Yeah, I, I love how you described it as an emotion that's not really about just that emotion. And it's amazing, though, because anger is a lot of times we, you know, we rush past it when grief pops up. But grief mm -hmm. brings a lot of people anger mm -hmm. that they can't describe Ang and angry at different things at different times and for different reasons. And it's not a bad thing to feel that anger. I think that sometimes we feel like we shouldn't be angry and we need to suffocate the anger, but being healthy and, and discussing that anger is important. And you're right, it is a complex emotion. And, and so when we're talking about the complexities of grief, when we get down to the bottom of it, why do you think that it's such a difficult pro grief, I mean, a, a, a difficult emotion to process? Why do so many people have such a difficult time processing grief? I really think it's because our friends, our loved ones, society really don't give us space to process it. Uh, we're uncomfortable with, you know, the less favorable emotions, if I can say that. I hate to use words, you know, like good or bad, because all emotions are good. Mm -hmm. So, but the less favorable emotions, we're uncomfortable, we don't know what to do. So we end up saying things that, you know, can really uh, irritate the one that, that is grieving. And then we, and those things, put the person that is grieving in a, a, a position where it, they're afraid to grieve mm. you know, because they're going to hear things like when I start off uh, grief groups, I always start off the first session with the dumb things that people say, just mm. so we can go on and get that out. You know what I'm saying? Can you tell us oh, a couple of those dumb things that people say? <laughs> oh, they're in a better place. But in reality, how do you really know if you hadn't went to the place or, you know, the assumption is, that they're in heaven and you know and being a, a minister i get it but i also get if i've lost my husband or my mother i don't want to hear it in a better place the better place for me right now is them here with me mm -hmm. so and even though that's selfish it's still that would be the better place for me they wouldn't want you to to mourn or cry like that and i tell my son all the time i said now if you don't cry when i'm gone if i leave before you i'll come back and hunt you. <laughs> because hopefully i'm a uh, a significant, you know, person in your life and a significant individual leaving like that, if you should feel sadness, Absolutely. sorrow. So, you know, we just don't allow each other the space to feel sad. You know, when we read the repasses, we come visit people that are grieving, we want to keep up with the happy memories. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing, but it's still allowed just to sit the ministry of presence. Mm -hmm. we, uh, it escapes us because we're uncomfortable with our own silence. But just to be there is enough support. Let me tell you, you just said a whole word right there, Dr. Menard. The ministry of, what did, what did you say? The ministry silence. of silence. Woo! That's a whole topic. The <laughs> ministry of silence. And you know what's so interesting about that is that while I was in, I remember being in grad school and them teaching us how to counsel. <laughs> and there was one class that, that 
challenged us to sit with a pretend client client and not say anything when they made a call. Mm -hmm. And that that uncomfortability, I still feel it today, but now that I'm a seasoned counselor, I feel comfortable mm -hmm. sitting with people mm -hmm. in silence. Um, but that ministry of silence is really powerful because a lot of times when you're with someone who's grieving, you feel like you have to say something. You feel like you have mm -hmm. to, you know, comfort them with words. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that you lead off those grief, grief groups with, you know, the things that people shouldn't say. Well, what should people say, Dr. Bernard? Because, it, you know, you talk about the silence. We know that sometimes you're sitting there and saying, you know what, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Up until two weeks ago, I used to just say, you know, I'm praying with you in the family. Is there anything that you would like for me to do? Uh, and then I would say, you know, especially in uh, the process of a traumatic uh, loss, you know, I often say, you know, I can't imagine how you feel, but I'm working with a family now that that aggravates the wife to death, of course, and I couldn't imagine how I would feel. So, I, And I didn't tell her, but I'm thinking in my mind, I'm going to have to reassess that as well. So mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, I'm just, you really can't say anything. I'm just here. I'm here. If you need me and then some people if i'm close enough to them i don't uh i don't even ask if they need me if i know where they are then i just go there right. and i just sit i might answer the phone or the door because they're not you know they're there but they're not there because they're all they're going through all those stages and, and i get it you know you the thing now is grief without stages but i still like to use uh those uh, kubler raw stages just yes. as like a guide um but i you know i know you we can't grieve through those and then all of a sudden we through grief like even when i use those in groups i often i tell people you will bounce around for the rest of your life oh, you will bounce around for sure yes and for the rest of your life if you do not allow yourself to actually grieve and feel the emotions because i've had people years later you know uh, falling apart because of a, a death that they didn't you know they got busy and, and numbed it but i digress but yeah so i used to say that until uh, that this recent client was saying that bugs her when she went back to work and she went back to work a little bit too soon, you know, wanted the busyness and uh, everybody, she said, everybody just keeps telling me and I know that's a generalization. Um, you know, I can't imagine what you're going through, but I couldn't imagine what I'm going through. Nobody sits and imagines this, you know, and I know she's angry, but it made me think about that statement. It's and, now you said up until two weeks ago, you didn't say it anymore. Is that why? Because well, of, because of this encounter with this client, yeah, with her saying it made me mm. reassess the yeah. actual statement. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think that that's so helpful that, and it just shows what type of counselor you are to lean in and to hear those statements. Um, I think that the ministry of silence is something that needs to be even spoken about more, because a lot of people do feel uncomfortable sitting with people in silence, and maybe mm -hmm. maybe even looking at why why do you mm -hmm. why do they feel so uncomfortable? But that's neither here nor there. Um, and a lot of times we're talking about grief, right? So a lot of times, yes. I mean, death, when we're talking about grief, a lot of times we're talking about death, but there, there are many things people can grieve. So what are some of the things that people can grieve outside of death? Divorce is a big one. Yes. Divorce. So when I do psychoeducation, I use this, they would grieve all loss. So if it's a change, uh, because any change, you're leaving one thing going to another. So the the whole dichotomy is I feel good. Say we're graduating high school. I feel good because I'm getting ready to go to college and whole new life. But there's a part of me that's grieving this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like in high school, I had it going on. So I was grieving that lifestyle, still thinking, you know, I was, well, I'm excited about going to college. But that was a rude awakening because I didn't have it going on as a freshman in college. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You 
you're starting all over again. So yeah, we grieve that retirement because you know I don't care how we you know it don't get along or get along with our fellow employees. We had it felt like purpose. I'm getting up. I'm going to work. This is a family, even if it's dysfunctional. Now I'm at home. At first you you like it, you know, because you want that rest. But then you if you don't get involved into something, then it's easy to just start grieving because you you're sitting there and that's a whole different change. So change, separation, relocation, loss of any type, we're going to grieve. Yeah. And, I'm, and as you're talking, I'm even thinking about, um, I was trying to figure, my mom had a few um, health issues and the mother that I knew prior to May 17th changed. Mm -hmm. The daily conversation stopped the, the way life used to be with her and she's still alive and well, um, but now things have changed so drastically. And I found myself getting into places where I was just sad. And it's because I was grieving the mother I had prior to her being sick. Mm -hmm. And so in that relationship and what we used to do. And so, um, and, and even retirement, there was a pastor who came to our church a couple of weeks ago and he, he spoke to, he said, and all of you who are 55 and older, don't allow the enemy to make you think that you don't have any purpose. He said, actually, your greater will be latter. I mean, your latter will be greater. greater. And speaking mm -hmm. into life and to them saying, until, as long as you have breath on this body, you have purpose. You have to walk in your purpose and calling. And I thought that was so amazing because I didn't sit to, I, until this conversation right here, I didn't think and sit, I didn't sit to think about, wow, once you do retire, what is life looking like? And even grieving that, you know, mm -hmm. and that is a source mm -hmm. of grief, um, just going into a new new stage of life, for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. so and how, uh, mm -hmm. the incident you shared about your mother, I hear that a lot. I have a lot of people. Come, and then they deal with the guilt of, why should I be grieving? She's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, Dr. Bernard. And it's, it's almost like, so... Can we, can we pause there for a second? Because even in the grieving, there's a part of, because I don't want to be so spiritual that I don't allow myself to process emotions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a thing too, over spiritualization, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I have been pausing a lot because there is a, something happens when I start feeling sad because again, then I feel guilty for feeling sad because mm -hmm. she's still alive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then I'm like you don't you shouldn't be grieving there are people who actually lost their mothers how dare you grieve you snap out of it, and I try to pull myself up out of it but mm -hmm. you saying that just confirms that this, these feelings are real that mm -hmm, yes mm -hmm. and I can feel the guilt from grieving and the grief at the same time mm -hmm, and it's okay mm -hmm. and it's okay mm -hmm. it is it is we just have to we have to teach ourselves how to allow our bodies to feel the emotions just feel them you know, emotions are indicators of what's going on in our heart and our head. And I often ask clients, don't you want to know what's going on in your heart and your head? So just feel them. They're not good or bad. Just kind of let them wash over you. Because mm -hmm. uh, the, the way I explain it, you know, we got the emotions here. And once we see, oh, I'm going to be sad. So I, I run back. I do something to numb it. I do something to forget about it. But all you need to do is just wash over, you know, just let it wash over you. It'll avoid the panic attack. It'll avoid a lot of the angst we feel in our bodies, you know, the racing thoughts where we can't go to sleep. Just let it, and that's the only way to resolve them is to feel them, you know what yeah. So that actually goes into our next question. Like, how do we begin to process grief? And can you give us some, like, maybe tangible ways of what that looks like 
What does it look like for someone to pr start processing that? To process it, um, you know, as far as if somebody's coming to therapy mm -hmm. to process it, I, I go through the five stages. I give that disclaimer that you're not going to get to the fifth stage and it may not go in that, that order, linear. You'll bounce around from that on until you really allow yourself to feel those emotions. But for the, for the, um, what the structure is the reason why I use the, the uh, that particular process, as well as it gives us like a, a launching pad to discuss things. Yes. So to talk about uh, shock and denial, and to understand what shock and denial looks like later on, I think it's real, real helpful for a client. But in after each session, at the end of each session, I always say you just have to you basically have to be kind to yourself, mm. compassionate to yourself, and do not lock it down to a timeline regardless of what people are telling you you know three months out you know i didn't know what to do with you when the person first died i definitely don't know what to do three months out so people will tell you, you know it's time to don't don't you cry you know it's time to just move on don't want to get but like this uh mother that was telling me she said but how can i move on without my child i told her it maybe it's not time for you to take that step right now so let's sit and do what you can do so just to be kind to yourself and understand it's an individual thing. If you're sad, who's to say sad is supposed to last three months? Stay sad however long. However, you know, us as therapists, we have to watch that because that sadness can slip into some, you know, complicated grief, some depression. Mm -hmm. But uh, you're supposed to stay sad. You're supposed to be sad. It mm -hmm. was her youngest child. And that uh, incident, she's, that's a significant loss. You're supposed yeah. to be sad. Three months is not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So processing the emotions. Um, I do, I like right brain, life, uh, left brain type, you know, bilateral stimulation. So uh, I've given, uh, each time the parties come to the group, I've given them a section of a picture of a heart. Uh, mm -hmm. And then by the end of the group, we all help each other put that heart together. And I've, I've seen that to be very therapeutic. And it's really to bring home the fact that you're not grieving alone. We have to, you, eventually you're gonna have to accept uh, some help from someone else. Uh, and I had a uh, counselor that had a traumatic death with her son uh, that just was reluctant. You know, we could be the worst patient. I know that's right. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, I know all of this, but she kept coming back. So that didn't offend because it still coming back. But that piece right there really uh, brought it home for her. You know, I could see her entire countenance, you know, just to have something tangible and to be able to reach out and help this other mother. It was a group of uh, mm. parents that had lost their children. So, so I did that. Uh, sometimes we write letters, but we don't just write them. I believe in reading them out loud, giving voice. There's power uh, to our voice. It's, and then I also believe if you leave leave it in your thoughts, then it can make assumptions, and then you, you know it keeps ruminating. So if you say it out loud, you kind of disempower some of that stuff. Yes. So yeah. So I believe in writing the the letters. Any any of the expressive. Right. Thoughts. But that's okay. if uh, we're together, because I wouldn't dare want an uh, individual that's really grieving and read a letter at home and can't, you know, have somebody professional to uh, process it. Mm -hmm. So at home, I just tell them, don't fight the feelings. If you're angry, be angry. But, you know, just watch how you express that anger. You don't have to kick the cat, you know. You don't have to you know, kick the dog. One lady was like, I just, I can't stay here. My husband, he was saying, I understand. I said, and eventually you don't want to keep beating your husband because, you know, he is supporting me. Right. So, but yeah, those are, I mean, that's really all I found. I won't say that's all you can do, but that's, those are the things that I found that really, really helpful. 
And as you're talking, I just want to let our audience who may not be familiar with the stages of grief and loss that Kubler-Ross came out with. Um, Kub, uh, Dr. Kubler-Ross is a grief specialist who came out with five state, the basic five stages of grief mm -hmm. um, as a guideline for us to understand how grief usually flows. However, there has been research that's come out after that that has, of course, counteracted uh, those those assumptions, well, those research studies and has, you know, really added value to what we already know about grief and loss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, something you said, uh, writing the letter, when you have clients write letters when they're in their place of grief, which I think any, something you said, the expressive arts, using the expressive arts to work through the grief. Um, I also think about like dance and mm -hmm. poetry and singing. Mm -hmm. um, when you have them write letters, who are who do you have them write letters to? Uh, the most recent group of writing it to the deceased. Oh wow! Because he is dramatic, he left so quick. There's a lot of, you know, they whole you know week after week. I'm hearing from the fiance, from the mother. You know, if I could have said if I so, you know, so we're writing letters to the, the actual. So the person who's grieving, you just have them choose who they want to write the letters to. No, I got them. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I make the suggestion. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, um, I, you know, I have counseled clients who have been in the earlier stages of grief and someone might say, you know, I don't think counselors is, a counselor is going to help me. But I remember a mom whose son died tragically and just abruptly. And she felt like she was a burden to her family by crying and everybody was moving on and it felt like life mm -hmm. stood still for her mm -hmm. and there were times where she would just come to my office and I would just play soft instrumental music and just let her cry mm -hmm. and we we probably barely said any words but she knew when she came to see me that I was holding space for her to grieve to cry and to to just support her without saying much um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she felt like she wasn't alone and mm -hmm. she felt like it's okay for me to go see Jess and let, and let it all out because I have mm -hmm. to be strong for everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's really important of an important point mm -hmm. because sometimes people are like, well, what do I, what I'm going to go see the therapist for? Because sometimes you could get so lonely in your grief and it's so dangerous to be, to feel so lonely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes a professional can be a presence for you that you don't feel like you have to support. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I like that. Yes. Um, so someone who may be experiencing grief tonight, maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they've transitioned into a different stage of life and trying to find their footing. Um, maybe they are grieving the loss of a life they once knew with someone and that life is no, is different now. And they're just trying to not feel overwhelmed by it. What, what could you say as a grief specialist to someone who may be struggling with that tonight? that wherever you are in the process, whatever you're feeling, you're supposed to feel on mm -hmm. it. It's, it's, not, it's not good or bad to be patient with yourself, be compassionate with yourself. We have these emotions and these nerve endings for a particular reason. So just go with it. Mm -hmm. Just go with that feeling. And then try not to, I understand the importance of isolation, but try to reach out to someone. Uh, where you can give you a safe space, like you, you were saying. Or if you can't do that, at least get out. Natural vitamin D is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Just take a walk mm -hmm. and literally look at 
the things that we just kind of walk by. Look at the sky, look at the trees, you know, the ground, just be conscious of the earth around you and uh, be thankful. Try yeah. to be thankful. It's something to be, be thankful. It, it may hurt like the Dickens right now, and it's hard to say, I'm grateful for life, mm-hmm. but eventually you'll get there. So don't rush it. Just don't rush it. Don't rush it. I th- you know what? I think about if we were there at the tomb when Jesus got to his good friend Lazarus mm-hmm. and he found out that, well, he knew, but he was told Lazarus de- died mm-hmm. and he wept. And I'm trying, you know, I, I, what every time I read that scripture, it just comes, it becomes so alive for me to see we, you know, we think of maybe a tear or two coming down, but I'm thinking mm, what was he, he, wept. he wept a heavy mm. cry that take mm. that requires muscles. And, and I'm, and I'm just thinking about, wow, in that moment, Jesus showed his humanity. He was so vulnerable in front of those people and he, mm. wept, but he wasn't alone. And I, I think that Christ, um, it's really beautiful that he showed in the Bible that we don't just have these over, overly mm-hmm. versions of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. he showed his humanity. He showed mm-hmm. that he wept. He showed that he had emotions. He showed that he, he grieved and that there is absolutely nothing wrong. Like you said, own it. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ owned it in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so own what you're feeling, own the emotions and seek a professional when you feel like maybe mm-hmm. you don't know how to talk about the grief mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's so beautiful the way you stated that mm-hmm. so and you know what you think about saying that about jesus it became uh real clear to me because we did a disservice to our men i say that often woo. you know as little boys when they cry you know we'll spank them and then turn around and say stop their crying which is so confusing to me you know what I'm saying? at this point i should be crying you but anyway <laughs> right. jesus, was a man yes and he wept mm. but yet our men still we we don't allow them the space to cry right mm. well I, and, I, and i'm like i'm trying to even that's a whole conversation in itself like encouraging our men that it's okay to cry and what have we done or to at least express your emotion because i've had you know the father of the family said well i can't cry i'm not asking you to cry you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying but to have a whole blunt affect, just mm-hmm. to feel something. And eventually, you know, he came around and said, he's just numb. The military taught me to be numb. Yes. How to hold a man's hand when he's bad, but still show no emotion. Mm-hmm. So not only does he have society, he has military training. So he's frustrated at this point because he didn't know how to access his emotions. Mm-hmm. I have firsthand experience with that, with watching my father. He was um, Air Force and he went through a lot of things in life. You know, his mother died when he was at a young age. And mm. even my father says, you know, there were some really difficult times. I didn't have time to sit and cry. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to, I had to provide, I had to move on. And when he went into the air force, everything was taught about do this, this way. And this is how you do things. And it was kind of like a push, push, push. It was never no time to mm-hmm. sit and for him to like, even really process even his mother's death. And so mm-hmm. when I think about how men were pushed to just push, pushed through the grief process. And like you said, you don't have to cry, but a blunt affect and ignoring that there are emotions is, mm-hmm. isn't it the com- complete antithesis to what Jesus did at the tomb? Mm-hmm. Jesus that and he wept. 
-hmm. And so I think that that's a really, I love that you pointed that out, you know, encouraging our men to express their emotions, even if they're not crying. So grief counseling is important. Grief education, Yes. educating people about how to properly grieve and what Mm -hmm. is, you know, um, okay. And Mm -hmm. what you said, every emotion you feel own it and it's okay. So are there any projects or anything that you have done? I know on your website, there are some amazing resources for people who are grieving and you have so many, you have a store on your website. You talk a little bit about what you're doing and what people can reach out to you for. Yes, I've got, um, I love the 12 steps from the recovery community, yes. not just for AA, but those 12 steps. It took me a year to do step number one. I think they can apply to every area of your life. So I have a Christian kind of take off of that. Uh, it's a journal, it's a process. So it's got 12 different uh, process, because anything, 12 different steps to go through a process, because we, any, everything we go through is a process, no matter how fast or how slow. So, but, and it's, uh, based with scriptures mm. yeah so the thing that I uh when I was going through recovery because I bagged my way into recovery I was trying to help get a husband sober and so they stuck me in Al-Anon I'm like oh, okay so I get about <laughs> him I need some work so right. that's how I came into the recovery community but I do I love those 12 steps mm-hmm. and but the thing that I heard uh in the church world you know it didn't take didn't take me 12 steps took me one so you know, I had to keep saying, well, it took me 12 and I've been working in for years. Every time right. I, get 12, I have to go back. So, but that, that's an ongoing thing. Uh, I'm hoping to, um, to take time out and start a podcast around the whole, it's a process that uh, face behind me, if you can see the kind of mask. I can. It'll be the first uh, event. I want been wanting to do some different things in therapy since I like expressive therapies. So uh, on the 30th of this month, locally, I'm teaming up with one of, with one of our African-American-owned uh, Creole Southern-style restaurants. Uh, and, and one of the private rooms, we're going to do group therapy around brunch, you know, with all the uh, shrimp, what is it? Shrimp and grits and all of the Creole. Yes. I can't eat any of it, but <laughs> so it'll be there. And then we're going to do little education around just mental health and therapy. And then I'm going to actually do a therapy group. Awesome. Uh, so it's called an unmasking the therapeutic uh a therapeutic experience but it will be uh-huh. actual therapy we're going to do some some actual expressive arts around uh, getting to our authentic selves so i think it'll be a good tease for people that kind of want to know what therapy is about mm-hmm. and it'll give them a, a insight to my approach oh i love that where, where, where is that located in uh, memphis tennessee at the mahogany restaurant in chickasaw plaza and that's oh. on the 30th and can you tell our audience what your website is in case somebody wants to connect? It's www.spiritbuildersinc.com. Oh, Dr. Bernard. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for all of the information Thank you. for everything that you're doing. Um, I'm going to purchase a couple of your books because I know that that can be a really great group therapy tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 12 steps for those who don't understand maybe have never heard of the 12 steps the 12 steps is a a model and i I break it down for people who may not understand may not have heard of them but the 12 steps Mm -hmm. is a a model um of how to process through a recovery period post Mm -hmm. 
really, and like you said, post really anything traumatic or mm-hmm. life changing. Started out with uh, alcohol. Alcohol, yeah, yeah. alcohol anonymous. But, but you're right that those twelve steps can be applied to many different aspects mm-hmm. of our lives. Mm-hmm. So I love that you took the twelve steps and uh, infused it with scripture. I'm so excited mm-hmm. to get your book. I'm going to mm-hmm. encourage everybody to to purchase one who's listening mm-hmm. to this. Um, and we may do a giveaway in December. What I want to do is all the okay. people who came onto the podcast and th- for this year, just really do giveaways for the different books in December. So I will okay. love to do one with your book. But Dr. Bernard, thank you so much for this evening. Mm, thank you Again, for having me. We just want to encourage people to reach out to you, go to your website, check the show notes for all Dr. Bernard's information. And also understand that any way you grieve grief, can be processed and you do not you do not have to do it alone and that you can have Jesus in therapy and it will mm-hmm. be okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. What I often say though before we log off, I always yes. uh, give clients the because being a minister, they're afraid to or inhibited say I'm pissed off at God. And mm-hmm. I always tell them whatever God of understanding you got at least if that God of your understanding is not strong enough omniscient enough you know omnipotent enough mm-hmm. to handle your situation then you need to find another god because i realize that everybody that i work with is not a christian so but you know but the, i found that the christians are the ones that really have a problem i don't want to be mad with if the christian god which i serve too knows our thoughts are far off he already knows you mad so you may as well have a conversation let me tell you something i'm going to disclose something real personal so i was a little angry this summer and i sat on the edge of my bed. And I remember saying, I'm not going to church tomorrow because I just, I just, I'm just feels, I felt so much anger (laughs) and God, it was almost as if he came and sat right next to me. He said, I know you're angry. (laughs) We think that we sit here angry and have these unresolved emotions. And like, I can't go to church. I'm going to lift my hands. And my sweet mother who didn't do anything, this happened to her, she's prepared, blah, blah, blah. And God said, I already know you're angry and you need to go to church tomorrow. <laughs> and so it's like, literally he came and spoke to me. So it's like, this, this is nothing new. Jesus already knows how you feel. I already know. So go keep trying to hide how you feel. But I love that when, and a beautiful part about having a relationship with God is he'll come right down to your level and talk to you. Yes. That's yes. like when we talk if to you allow him. If you allow him. Mm-hmm. If you allow him. And that's a that's a that's what how relationship. That's why relationship is so important. But yeah. yes, God already knows you're angry. God already yes. knows you're sad. God yes. already knows you're struggling. He knows. But mm-hmm. he just wants you to get your healing and your breakthrough and mm-hmm. process it. So yeah. like your book says, it's a process. It's still a process. Nothing to hide <laughs> from him. He mm-hmm. Nothing to hide. So thank you again, Dr. Bernard. Mm, thank uh, you. And we are going to support you 150%. So thank you so um, much. I'm going to push everything that you're doing. And thank you for your time tonight. Mm, you're more than welcome. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to visit our website at www.b-welltoday.com. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, be strong, be bold and be well.